What is up, Lake City? Brennan here with Spocast. Happy almost New Year and uh, Merry Christmas. I unfortunately did not release an episode last week. This month has just been absolutely insane at Spocast, and I was planning on recording something to make it work, but snow sickness, I just never was really able to uh, sit down and get a podcast recorded. And today it was actually a planned episode. I'm releasing a podcast that I help produce here at Spocast called City Chapters. And I, I but I'm going to talk all about that in a in a minute. But before I do that, I want to thank all of my amazing Patreon supporters, Spocastonites. I cannot say this enough. Thank you, everyone who came on board as an early adopter and helped me get to where I'm at in my Patreon. I had a friend encourage me to do this back in September and I just did it. And I'm so grateful that I did. Words cannot express how amazing it is to have the support of my friends and family and friends of friends helping me on this journey. And I, I just can't, I'm always a little bit flabbergasted when I, when it comes to talking about this, cause I just don't know what to say. I don't really have the words. It's just, I'm filled with an enormous amount of happiness a little bit. I get, I mean, happiness is definitely one of the things, but uh, pride, um, grateful joy. Uh, and it really pushes me to make sure that I keep on releasing podcasts week in and week out for everyone. And in, in 2023, that's my goal is to release some sort of podcast, whether it's featuring another podcast with Spocast or an interview that I'm doing or a, a special version of Spocast that I, I have plans for next year. There's just so much going on. I, I can't wait to, to share it with everyone. But again, I can't thank my Patreon supporters enough. You are the best. And I promise I will get you all the swag. I All the early adopters who came on board in 2022 are going to very going to get a very special sticker from me uh, that's getting printed in January, and I will let everyone know about that when it comes out. But I got to thank you all again. Here are all of the amazing Spocastonites in no particular order: Joe Van Voorhis, Elizabeth Geyer, Amanda Kerr, my wife Abby Pointer, Lee Wick, Gina Campbell, Tyler Poole. Pamela Smith, Briscoe, Sarah Thorpe, Judy Pointer, Zach Hawkins, Amber Sparks, Luke Baumgarten, Pia Hallenberg, Valerie Ossier, Alex Lea, Nick Spanger, and Elizabeth and Bill Pointer. Thank you all for being Spocastonites. There's a much to look forward to in 2023. And please, if you're at all interested in becoming a Patreon supporter, Please come join us. Find it in the link in my bio on on Spocast Instagram. Go to patreon.com backslash Spocast. That's where you'll find my Patreon. You'll see all the tiers there. And I promise 2023 is going to be a great year to be a Patreon Spocast supporter. Now on to what you're about to listen to. Instead of having a traditional Spocast episode today, I wanted to feature a podcast that I've been helping produce since April. City Chapters. 
City Chapters was started by Bobby J. Hodge as a apparel brand. Uh, Bobby made custom city jackets and streetwear, and he would make these jackets that could be customized with any city neighborhood in the world. And basically, you could wear this jacket and rep your city at the same time. His jackets are amazing. They just they showcase like what you're representing right on the back of the shirt. It says it right there on the there like Spokane across the back, and this like lets you show your pride for your city. So this year, in 2022, Bobby decided he wanted to start a podcast, and it was something he'd been working on for a while, but hadn't found someone to produce it for him. He actually reached out to John Ward, who we had started Spokast Breaking Patterns, and John graciously recommended Bobby to talk with me. And the rest is history. I helped Bobby start his podcast, like I said, back in April. And on his podcast, he features local business owners, creators, people doing cool shit in their city. It's a lot like Spokast, to be honest. But Bobby has a totally different way of interviewing people. It's a more long form. And he gets really deep into every interviewer's backstory of like where they came from, what they're up to now, and where they're going. But I wanted to feature this episode in particular because Bobby is not hosting this episode. Actually, local rapper T.S. The Solution is interviewing him. In his 16th episode, chapter 16, we learned all about Bobby and starting City Chapters, his other company, Third Kind Design, and they get into the depths of who Bobby is. And I honestly, I've been working with Bobby for almost a year at this point, and I didn't know many of these stories. And I just learned so much about him as a human, as a man, as a person living in our city. And I was just like, I have to feature this on Spokast and introduce you to Bobby as a person. He is loves this city. He's an amazing interviewer. And you could tell when he talks to people that he really wants to learn about where they came from and the lessons that have been thrown at them over their lives because his life is the same where he's just learned so much through his, his past that he continues to keep on growing and breaking through obstacles. Listening to his conversation with TS has really taught me a lot about him, uh, where he came from. And I think it's a great example of overcoming the trials and tribulations. I, I just, I think it's inspiring and I believe it's a story that everyone should hear. And I'm going to tell you, stop what you're doing right now and go listen to his episode on his podcast channel, City Chapters, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Well, without further ado, here is Bobby J. Hodge, founder and owner of City Chapters and Third Kind Design, being interviewed by TS The Solution on Bobby's podcast, City Chapters. Enjoy. What up, what up, what up? What's going on, everybody? We have a special, special edition of the City Chapters podcast today where I'm going to be the host. I go by TS The Solution. And my guest today is City Chapters Own, City Chapters Everything, 
Third Kind Designs own. Third Kind Designs everything. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only. Oh, yeah, all that. Bobby J, what's going on, my brother? Not much, man. Yes, sir. It feel different over there, huh? In a different yeah. seat. Uh, mm-hmm. It's good to be here, man. Yeah. I'm uh, honored to have you as a friend that, you know, is down to uh, come on the podcast as a host and interview me because I feel like I need to get my chapter out there. So, Of course. Your chapter is important, man. We're all here because of you. So thank you. Thank you for everything that you do for the city, for your brand, everything. And, and I had the pleasure of breaking it all down. We're going to get to the bottom of Bobby J. We're going to know what makes him tick and uh, what he's got planned for the future. So we're going to start from the jump, my boy. Like, tell me about your upbringing. Where are you from? Where are you based out of? How did you move? Uh, family. Tell me about all the, the beginnings. Yeah, I was born in Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, Littleton specifically. I was in that area until I was six years old. We moved up here. At that time, um, because my dad's in the car wash industry and he owned that double car wash tunnel, he was a partner in that car wash over there off Division and Ruby. Um, it's Mr. Car Wash now. Mm, okay. It's, it's like right by the uh, Cordova's or whatever. It's like uh, yeah, Chipotle's yeah. over there. Yeah. Okay. I think a Cordova's over there, like right mm-hmm. in that area, but that double tunnel on Division right there as oh, soon dang. as you cross over the river. Dang. Yeah. So that's what brought us up here. Uh, we moved to the little town of Medical Lake and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, grew up out there my whole life, uh, first grade to 12th mm-hmm. in Medical Lake school system. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, man, you know, that's that's kind of like where I was born and raised type situation. So so what's the, what's the environment like in Med- Medical Lake? I, ain't, I don't think I really rock with Medical Lake like that yet. Yeah, it's a small, small town. Uh, you know, we got the mental state hospitals up there. Okay. So it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a weird vibe sometimes, I guess you could say. Uh-huh. But I, I had an amazing time. We went to school with all the Air, For- uh, Air Force kids too. So that was really cool meeting a lot of those different people. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to go on base, like when middle school came around, there was a like a youth fun center type thing on base that was always super fun. We used to hang out at, you know, go to the roller skate rink and chase <laughs> girls and do that whole thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I was really fortunate for that because I don't know, it kind of was a unique experience going to school with base kids and getting on base and hanging out on base. I don't know, you know, you don't really get that elsewhere in town, and I think that was kind of a unique experience having that access to the fun center the way we did on base and mm-hmm. um you know i always grew up out on lakes or in the woods so kind of blessed that way uh lived in the town of medical lake here and there in rental homes while other homes were getting prepped or whatever um mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know, man. You know, everybody's in your business kind of town. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and I, I've, of course, have, um, I've always been a rambunctious fella. You know what I yeah. mean? So, uh, you know, people always were trying to taper me down. You know what I'm saying? Because... Uh, Kind of like make you conform to something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Ever all my teachers, you know, I just was wild from the time I was born, um, you know. So, you know, 
amount yeah. of people in your business for sure. Is it like everybody is on a first and last name basis in that yeah, area type of thing? Pretty everybody much. Know, it's cl- it's, it's and... close as it gets to that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, it's a little bigger than that, but not much, gotcha. you know. And it, and I, when we went, I mean, everybody knew everybody. You know, yeah. you know every single person that's in your school one way or another, pretty much. Like, yeah, you know of them, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So yeah. you said you said your pops was in the uh, in the car washing business. Car wash business. Was he? So does that mean he was working a lot? He was a, he was more away more than anything, or what yeah. was what was the? Yeah, my dad's a workaholic. Yeah, he's a workaholic. Us. wasn't really uh, involved directly in my life too much. Mainly, it all involved work for him. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad's also a water ski fanatic, and you know, growing up, he also encouraged me to water ski, and I did that for a time. Mm-hmm. I got pretty good at it. Was sponsored by O'Brien. Oh. Um, which is a major company. Uh, I was on their amateur pro ski team for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, it wasn't my dream. It wasn't my love. And so, you know, once I kind of stopped doing that, there wasn't as much direct involvement in my life on more like hanging out personal side type stuff. Mm-hmm. Also became a wakeboarder and it's kind of the same kind of thing. Like my dad didn't care, but you know, yeah. he always wanted me to ski more than wakeboard because it's kind of like on the mountain, you know, skiing and snowboarder type stuff. But yeah, you know, it's, it wasn't as serious as that, but you know, it's just, my dad does what he likes to do. And if yeah. you're not doing what he likes to do, then it just kind of is what it is. So, yeah. Um, do you think you get your workaholic isomness? Cause you work, I know you, you like to work, <laughs> you like to buckle down. Mm. Do you feel like you kind of your pops kind of way of working kind of rubbed off on you a little bit? I think there's parts of his work ethic that I've taken into my life, and there's a lot that I've disregarded. Um, I get that a lot that a lot of people think I'm a workaholic, but I'm really not. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't really work all that much, especially with my companies. Like, what I'm working on is my personal growth and my mental Mm -hmm. health, you know, Mm -hmm. most of the time. Um, So I think there's aspects that um, I take from my dad, uh, um, you know, and I love my dad, but there's been a more negative that I've learned from him than positive, you mm. know, a lot more negative. And he's not a bad man by any means, but just, right. I think he just comes from a completely different era. So my dad is 81 years old, you know, I'm 33. Wow. Yeah. So he, he comes from a whole different, era than I do uh mm-hmm. and so I think there's just some like generational gaps between understanding each other I don't even really know who that man was I mean he was 46 mm-hmm. by the time I was born what lives did he have before I was born right you know I've I've had many lives within my short 33 years of phases and different things and things I've experienced so mm-hmm. um I you know I guess going to say though there's like my dad does have a, a crazy work ethic, but I think you have to learn how to not always charge, you know, mm-hmm. and and just try to plow through stuff. You got to take mm-hmm. time to breathe. You got to take time to think. That's a fact. And you got to take time to actually strategize what you're trying to do because mm-hmm. you might get a lot done, but what damage did you leave along the way and what opportunities did you miss because your head was down? You know, we always use that term, like, keep your head down and keep grinding. Like, 
Yeah. But for me, it's like, man, I'm not trying to keep my head down. I'm trying to just take it slow. You know, I'm in no rush with what I'm doing. Every time I've tried to rush in my life, and I think this is where my dad has suffered the most, is like you you just can't see the opportunities. You don't take the time to really think about what you're doing, where you're going. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big problem with a lot of things in our society, you know. Um, so I'm really trying to, you know, practice, practice my my zen, you know what I yeah. mean, and yeah. and flow like water, and um, you know, practice a, a abundant mindset, you know, uh, mm. knowing that it's all there's more than enough opportunity out there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Long answer, but yeah, no, man, it's a deep one for me when it comes down to my dad and what I've learned. So it's listen, man, we could we here to get deep, yeah, man. Yeah, 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 we're here to get deep. No, we, we want to learn what what makes you tick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for everybody, I want everybody to know this. Uh, Bobby and I talk like this. This is just another Tuesday for me and Bobby. Like we we get deep, and um, and I want to do that still here, bro. Because yeah, again, this is about you. This is your chapter. As thick as the chapter is, we got to give the people your chapter. So you were saying that your pops was in the car, it had a car wash business. And uh, when you were going to school in Medical Lake, what high, is there just like one high school out there that everybody goes to? Is that is it that kind oh, of yeah. town? Yeah, one, one elementary, one middle, Dang. one high school, yeah. Oh, okay, so... Yeah. How was it in high school? Was it were you the were you the cool guy? Are you the, the get along with everybody guy? Are you the jerk? Like what kind of guy were you in high school? Man, high school, um, coming in the freshman year, I, I'd say I was probably one of the more most or more popular kids. And that's not me being conceited. I just fell in with some uh seniors that were my friends, like, you know, there was uh a cheerleader that was a senior that asked me out when I was a freshman. Like, so I, you know, I got into high school. It was amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. I was really good in my grades that year too. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, somewhere around freshman year, drinking, smoking weed gets involved. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, probably a lot more of the arrogance that comes around of trying to be the man and being that mm-hmm. guy. And, uh, you know, um there stemmed a lot of jealousy with some of my friends Mm -hmm. that ended up splitting us up for a while and uh you know I had a falling out with one of my best friends because of a situation that happened between us that affected me for the rest of my life you know wow and uh that happened my sophomore year and I mean that shit that shit changed my whole life and Mm -hmm. it, it damaged me and um was really held on to a lot of anger that stemmed from that um, situation. But, yeah, I think through high school I always maintained, you know, being a person of interest, you know, uh, I, and I just think I naturally have that, you know. It's just uh, just is what it is, you know what I mean? Um, but I've had to learn how to work through it and how it can be authentic. And, you know, in high school you get so caught up by – you think you know what you're doing, but you don't know what you're doing. You, know, you know what I mean? I most think. most most high schoolers don't. I'm not saying all, but a lot of the men or boys that think they're men in high school. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's so easy to get lost in this world. Like, it's meant in 
established for you to be lost. Yeah. They don't want you to be found. So mm. you got to have grace with yourself and the mistakes that you make in high school. And hopefully you make it through without, you know, doing something so stupid that it entirely messes up your life. Yeah. Uh, but Lord knows how many times I was close and I know yeah. I, I call it grace. You know what I mean? For real, how I've gotten through what I've gotten through. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a hate love relationship in high school. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I kind of got robbed of some opportunities of what I would have liked to experience in high school going to Medical Lake. Um, mm. And then uh, after freshman year, Mr. Fox was the man. He was the principal my freshman year. He let us, you know, he he let us have fun, you know. And then after that, you know, it was like a Nazi regime came in and Dang. like they try to like really suppress everything, like how dance codes were and like all the stuff at dances were completely different. And, you know, they just, and then of course, you know, me being somebody that was uh, shining, you know, or whatever the case may be. And granted, yeah, I was involved in things that I could see why they wanted to bring me down, you know? Um, but by my senior year, they like made some real efforts to uh, destroy my education, really, you know. And uh, yeah, granted, I, I have my responsibilities on my side, but the way I, I feel they went about it was, you know, not a way to support a kid and really get to the core of what's going on and why kids are doing what they do, you know. Like, yeah. there's just this like authoritative approach in high school where it's like you're not helping any kid when you approach them like that you know like obviously you know there's I feel way better ways to approach and um Mm -hmm. you know I just I think it's funny you look back in high school and you you remember the teachers that were great and actually cared about you Mm -hmm. and then the ones that were on power trips Mm -hmm. you know trying to control you you know what I'm saying and they get off on that and uh yeah yeah and so you know the principal that was my principal junior senior year like Mm -hmm. that dude was you know um not somebody i would respect now as a man you know like the way he treated things like yeah you know there's just way better ways of getting to the core problems with that lie within a high school. But, you know, our educational system's broken. It's been broken. That's a fact. I was broken. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I was a broken person after my sophomore year, really. And, um, yeah, man, I don't know. I guess that kind of encapsulates a pretty much yeah, a good yeah, chunk of what my high school was about. Yeah, man. because it almost felt like, and I still feel like this in school, like teachers or principals are, they rather prove a point than support. It's mm-hmm. like they're really just there to, hey, I'm here, the authoritative figure, and this is what it is. But that doesn't help me. You're not yeah. here to teach me anything. You're yeah. just here to assert your point of your perspective pretty much. And, right. And I'm supposed to agree with it because you're older than me and, and that's the way it is. Yeah. And dropped the ball from me. I wasn't a good student. Did you make it through high school? <laughs> Yeah, I did make it man, through high congrats, school. Man, and I maintained good, decent grades throughout. You know, because it yeah. was easy. I didn't even have to try. Man, I mean, I was on honor roll my freshman year, but then gotcha. after that, I just didn't even care, and I just did the bare minimum, which yeah. got me, you know, BCs, probably some Ds in there too at points because I just was like, whatever. I mean, yeah, it's enough to pass. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
But you know, like they they try to kick me out twice in high uh, my senior high my senior year of high Damn. school. Um, one was like this winter ball dance. Some kids in the school knew me and my crew were gonna be partying before, so they snitched on us and told like our administrators, like, oh, they're gonna be partying and drinking coming to the dance. Mm-hmm. So this whole situation. Long story short, though. How it unfolded for me alone, all my crew got in, but me alone, I come through the door and every single cop in medical lake is waiting for me at that time. It was like seven of them. Dang. And my uh, security guard like starts like getting on me and I got arrested in an MIP that night. Mm-hmm. And then uh, later on that year, uh, you know, we'd always go smoke weed at, at lunch and... This time I had like three of my homegirls with me and like one of my homies, maybe two homies. Mm-hmm. We all packed up in the car like you do in high school and went and got a, uh, and went and smoked. Came back and this teacher that was always dope at the time and always cool with me, I get back and he's like, you need to go into the, go down to the office to get a tardy pass. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. I was like, bro, you don't ever like stress me. Like what is going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, long story short, they kicked me out of high school for smoking weed. They kicked my homie out for smoking weed. They have no proof of anything. Yeah. But they just said we, you know, smell like it and whatnot, whatever. And they they fed me some crazy story that the the um, secretary was allergic to the smell of weed, and that's how they found out. I was like, oh my god! The secretary started breaking out. Or yeah, what? that's what they tried. That's what they tried tell me. But Yo. mind you, they they kicked out one of the homegirls. I mean, how many girls? There might have been four girls with us. And they kick one out because she's a little rebel like me. Yeah. You know, like a problem. I'm a problem. They kick my homie out just to kick all the boys out, kick the one girl out. But the three other girls, mm-hmm. they didn't get kicked out. What? For all this, the same thing. They let them pass. But they... Because yeah, like we all said we didn't smoke weed, but they're like, oh, we know you smoked weed, but we believe these three that they didn't, but you other three did. And so we got kicked out. This is right before prom and right before. And they waited. I've been doing this since sophomore year, smoking weed at lunch. Like everybody (laughs) knows it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Like and they wait till my senior year right before prom to try to like make an example of me. I'm in my playoffs for soccer and uh, anyway. You know, I felt like it was unjustified the way they went about it. So I played dirty, too. I got a fake piss test and brought it back. But they couldn't prove that it was fake, even though they knew because some other kids in the school somehow again snitched on me. And so, uh, yeah, so anyway, the principal was pissed. He had to let me back in school because my mom even had my back on this one. Mm -hmm. And uh, but he was like, you got to decide between prom or the playoffs and uh which Mm. even at the time i really wish i would have been smart enough as a young man to be like we're getting lawyers like you're Mm -hmm. not kicking me out of school you have no proof yeah regardless of what you think is true or know is true or not you have no proof to do this to me yeah and so anyway i just was like whatever i'll just go to prom and because i knew in soccer playoffs like it was a good team, but, I mean, we were about to go to playoffs where you play, like, Yakima teams and stuff, and they're on another level out there. So. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yakima teams, you know. Yeah. The Latinos, man, they, yeah. they, they That's play. That's life. 
they play real soccer, you yeah. know. And we played them in playoffs a year before, mm-hmm. and it's just different, you know. You, yeah. you do good in these little Spokane leagues, but you go start playing West Side teams, mm. and it's uh, it's different. It's yeah. a whole other world. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you mentioned soccer, and before we we got on here, we were talking about. Um, no, actually, earlier in in the pod, you were talking about. Uh, getting into the mountains and doing that stuff, snowboarding, all that stuff. What got you into sports? Like how how did how did you get in, started into sports? Like did your parents put you through like uh we used to have uh, like pop Warner teams and yeah. stuff like that. Did your parents make sure like you had some type of extracurriculum activity going on after school? Yeah, I mean, I I was playing sports from the time I was a you know, toddler. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think my parents supported me always in trying to get me into the things I showed interest in. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they pushed me. I mean, my dad definitely pushed me in the skiing. I was probably water skiing and on a ski by the time I was like two and a half, you know, like, Dang. and um, I was snow skiing when I was probably like same age, like up on the mountain at like three, Dang. you know, starting to like learn how to ski and stuff at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we moved up here, I was six and I was really like getting and noticing snowboarding. So I started snowboarding when I was six years old up at Mount Spokane mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, played soccer, baseball, football, all the things you could really out in medical aid. You didn't have all the options in medical aid, but you had the mm-hmm. basics, you mm-hmm. know, and I played all those sports through elementary school, mm-hmm. um, played baseball because that's what all my friends were doing mm-hmm. and they didn't have soccer um, at my middle school. So I just played baseball, football. I think I I played basketball my seventh grade year. Mm -hmm. They put me on JV. I was like, this ain't for me, man. (laughs) You know, I was like, they tripping, bro. They messed up. I'm varsity all day. I'm I'm varsity level. (laughs) I don't know if I ever was. I never played basketball really that serious, but I was just like, you know what? I'd rather snowboard, you know, than play Mm -hmm. JV. So I finished out that year because, you know, it's the right thing to do. But Mm -hmm. after that, I just like... I don't know. I just never had that love for basketball. Yeah. And when when I got into high school, I played baseball freshman year, but then my soccer coach was like, yo, you, you know, you should come play soccer. I was like, you know what? I think I'd rather yeah. do that. Yeah. I didn't really like the pol- the politics going on in the baseball team. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the stuff that, you know, who was running those teams and stuff. They were more on the political side mm-hmm. of the whole school system. And I felt like my coach for soccer, he was kind of just like just the soccer coach, you know. He wasn't involved in other aspects of the school. I think that probably attracted me and also had some good friends that were playing soccer too. So mm-hmm. yeah. so you you got sports and then you got um, you have the business side, right? Do you feel like you got a chip on your shoulder? as far as how you move in business. Um, Cause I always feel like in the ap- athletic, like sports period, I learned a lot about myself based off of feeling like I got something to prove a lot of mm-hmm. the time. Obviously the other team wants you to lose cause they want to win, but there's people in the stands that are cheering for you. Mm-hmm. You got your coach, you got your practices, you got everything. And I always feel like 
sports kind of taught me to move with a chip on my like I got something to prove. Mm. Business wise, do you feel like you kind of move like that as well, based off of things that you kind of learn from sports? I think at one time I definitely was moving that way, you know. And I mean, bottom line of like what sports is really about and why we take it so serious and we get so involved in it is, you know, winning and losing, of course. But at the deeper level of that, it's like when you lose to a team, Mm -hmm. what it really enacts in you, I believe, is like the real primal of you would have got killed in a battle. You know what I mean? Like, this is life and death situation. That's how your mind interprets a win or a loss a lot of times. Yeah. And even if you can get to a place where it doesn't bother you that much, it's still base level of your mind understanding, like, I lost. If this was a situation that it was life and death, I'd be dead right now. Yeah. Your brain, no matter what, it's the lizard brain. That's what it's thinking. It's like, that's why losing can be so hard on you Mm -hmm. over and over if you're losing and again, and you get into those funks because your brain is now in a place where it is like, you know, we're useless. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like nothing. And so I think like that's kind of where being... Uh, assertive confident in sports is very important and how it can translate over into life is important but as much as yeah I believe that theory of what like winning and losing comes down to mm-hmm. um, it's not that you right. know what I mean so it's not that too so you have to train your mind how to understand winning and losing and losing understanding it without it destroying your confidence and destroying mm-hmm. your self-worth and stuff but that's a challenge you know easier said than done it takes practice and uh real you know i there's there's something about me that has always had that competitive side i think it'll always exist but it's just trying to find how do you be competitive in a healthy manner you know what i mean with respect to your opponent or your competition as well Mm -hmm. you know like i try to respect everybody that i play soccer with Mm -hmm. or uh, that i you know anybody i come across i try to respect you Mm -hmm. know yeah um and show a, a certain level of um even appreciation you know what i mean but but I'm also the kind of person, once you cross a line, you're going to see a whole different side of me, you know, and I'm not one to back down, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not one to easily um, dismiss when I feel disrespected or you're coming at me crazy on the field. I've gotten mm-hmm. way better and uh, I've enacted my patience, you know, mm-hmm. um, and patience is one of my biggest practices right now, you know, because I've I've been terrible at that. I was raised by a man that was completely impatient mm-hmm. and um that really affected the way I reacted and handled things in life, you know. And mm-hmm. it's uh within the last few years that I've really started to get a handle on that. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean there's there's a there's a certain thing that comes from sports where you're pushing yourself. Mm-hmm. You're competing, you know, and uh, you're showing up. Mm-hmm. You know, I think showing up is a big thing you learn from sports, like showing up, doing the work. Yeah. Um, 
you know, having a having a team too is great. Learning how to work with others, you know. Yeah. I don't have a team yet, like directly in city chapters or my businesses, but mm-hmm. you know, I think one day that that'll transpire with the right people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bro. You had brought up being impatient um, and being raised by an impatient man and your father. Mm-hmm. I recently had my pops come out to Spokane and live with me for a while. Yeah. That that alone taught me so much about myself, just being around my yeah. father. And everything that I found that I don't like about myself, I almost pinpointed. I could see it in my dad. And this naturally, that's just the way he is. Right. How is the dynamic between you and your father these days? Yeah, I don't know. It's distant, you know. Um, my dad is just a distant person. Mm-hmm. He's a loner. Uh, I'm a loner now, too, you know. Uh, my brother is. I don't think I wasn't always a loner, but I'm more that way so than I've ever been. Um, uh, you know, there's love between me and my dad. Uh, it's just that we don't relate. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's family situations that have arisen that have kind of separated us further. Mm. But I always let them know, like, you know, I'm here if you ever need me. Mm. And uh, that's about all I can do. You know, it's really in his hands whether he wants to um, have a relationship or not. But his his relationship has always been with work. Mm. I don't think he really understands relationship like love and different ways that the way i interpret them mm-hmm. you know his his way has always been about and i think like i said it's that generational gap like i'm a man i work i get the money what else do you want from me yeah i i feel like that's kind of you know he has softer sides than that he's not like a calloused man by any means but you know it's difficult, man. I yeah. think it's like that for a lot of fathers and sons, I suppose, you know. Um, though I don't, I've never really heard anybody that I know that relates really the same way that I've had my experience with my dad. But mm-hmm. it seems like either dads aren't there or they are. Mm-hmm. And mine's kind of like he's there, but he's not, you know. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a little... There, I'm sure there's a lot more people. Maybe I'll hear from some people that are like, bro, I, you know, I I can relate with you on that. But yeah, um, yeah, it's it's frustrating. It's yeah. caused a lot of frustration in my life with my family, and mm-hmm. you know, navigating it is difficult. But I'm not complaining. It is what it is, and I know situations could be way worse. You know, yeah. my dad has been a provider, mm-hmm. regardless of everything else of like what you would want to have in a or long for a relationship with your father or your parents. Like he's been a provider and, uh, you know, I admire him for that part. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I feel you on that one. It's always, it's almost like this, like underlying, I don't want to say competitive. That's not the right word, but there's that, that natural tension there. I feel like when I talk to my homies about how they are with their dads, it's, it's it's sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. I think it's it's fairly neutral. It's nothing that's gonna like make or break a relationship between a father and a son. But I think it's just it's almost as if it's not like it's something there when when the the son gets old enough 
to kind of like have its own perspective and its own way of thinking and it's different from the man that raises it. So it's like, yeah, you know what I mean? Well, there's like the, the resistance from a father to think he can learn from his son. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. I think that's inherent in like, I think a lot of fathers are really um, guarded from like trying to hear anything from their son. You mm. know what I mean? Like that your son could teach you something. Like you don't know nothing, boy. You know, yeah. like that. It's just like inherent in us. Our ego is that way. Yeah. You know, and it's something you got to work through because, you know, I think you can learn something from everybody. But, yeah. you know, how do you do it in a respectful way to your parent and not offend them or make them feel like they're the one now you're parenting them you yeah. know like yeah it's a that's a conundrum you know mm-hmm. what i mean uh, it's hard to navigate uh yeah me and my dad always have that tension and mm-hmm. always have uh i mean one thing is like i've always been somebody to call him on his bullshit when a lot of people would be scared to or not you know and i've always been like I'm going to throw every bullshit thing you do to others right back at you. Yeah. So it's always been that way, you know, and like we worked together too. I worked in the car wash industry for like um, almost like eight years with him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was shitty. I didn't like it at all. Just like working the way he worked. It just wasn't for me, you know. And I mean, that's a classic tale of father and son working together. It doesn't hard to work it make it mm-hmm. work you know and, and some fathers and sons can do it greatly yeah something um, but you know it wasn't gonna work for me you know mm-hmm. so yeah okay yeah. we know about pops what's going on what about siblings do you have any siblings are you the youngest like where are you where are you at if you have siblings i'm the middle child my mm-hmm. mom had her first son when she was younger and so my half brother is 14 years older than me um and then i have my younger brother johnny he's about two and like two and a half years younger than me Mm -hmm. and that's my brother you know like that's my full blood and i mean me and him grew up together me and him were riding die together you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that's my dog um i'm really blessed to have him in my life and Johnny's a great uh, musician, comedian, dude's hilarious. If you know him in real life, yeah. guaranteed yeah. to make you laugh. Facts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Big facts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, because y'all, y'all close. Like, y'all get yeah. around. Anybody can tell y'all brothers, first of all. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's like a, that's a given. Um, mm. But the relationship between all y'all is pretty cohesive and... Or how do y'all get along? Me and my younger brother are really close. We've definitely had our our battles, you know, growing up. You know, me being the bigger brother. Yeah. I'd be a lot more physical with him. But mm-hmm. I think that's how he got witty with his tongue. You know, mm-hmm. he learned how to become very witty with his tongue as a way to rebel mm-hmm. and, like, get back at me. And he definitely could with his tongue. He's very sharp. Um so I mean, we've definitely had a, a quite a few physical altercations. Not not like a ton, but you know, especially when we were younger. As adults, we've had a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've always been quick to just like apologize and be like, we you know, we love each other, bro. We just, yeah. 
you know, most of the time it stems from drinking, you know. And so, you know, I'm just over this month, I'm over a year without alcohol. Congrats. You know, my brother's at seven months and I'd say like me and him are, you know, living life and closer and living at a higher level than we ever have in our entire existence on this earth so far. You know what I mean? Like we're just lit. We're both accomplishing great things, um, pushing limits and, um, you know, going for bigger things in life now. I mean, our sobriety is always been the key to our success. You know, we've both known it. Um, we've both had major issues and struggles with alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so like last winter sometime I was like, I was stopping and I was encouraging him, you know, to stop. And he, you know, he, he made that decision, um, you know, and, uh, it took him a a little bit, you know what I'm saying? A few little relapses, you know, but, Mm -hmm. uh, he made, you know, and I mean, I've relapsed so many times, like go months at a time, then start drinking, you know. So I know it's hard to make that decision and to stick to it. And Mm alcohol is a a real um, destroyer, you know. And Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, it's it's hard to let go of that destruction. Yeah. But, you know, with me and where we're at, I'd say we're probably closer than we've ever been in our adult lives in like uh the most mature way you know mm-hmm. what i mean our time together doesn't involve drinking and you know drugs or none of that you know and we're in good environments you know so mm-hmm. um my half brother he's out the picture i mean there's just some situations that have arisen with you know our family that um, has kind of separated us, you mm-hmm. know, and I don't know how that can be healed, uh, you know. So it is what it is with him. He's not really involved with the family at all, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't want to speak on him too much because that's, you know, that's between us. But, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, we're just not, we're not close, you know. And that age gap has always been a, a issue and then, yeah, you said you 14 know, years, right? Yeah, he was yeah. and he was basically living on his own by the time I was born. I mean, yeah. by the time he was like 15, 16, he was out of the house. Oh, okay. And uh you know, he's had a he's had a life where it's it's been you know, uh troubling for him, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of mistakes that have led to some hard places and I think at some point you got to take ownership you know what i mean responsibility and uh Mm -hmm. and i I think when it comes down to even family like we're all gonna have dysfunctional behaviors with each other at some point Mm -hmm. i certainly have had many dysfunctional experiences and behaviors with my family Mm -hmm. but the difference is is you gotta you gotta take ownership and apologize and try to make things right and you you can't let your ego and pride get in the way of family yeah you know and um that's you know that's all I'm gonna say on that you know yeah yeah for sure yeah thank you for that does this shape because I want to get into city chapters and how city chapters came to be um, did your upbringing from your family structure to how you were treated in high school um, to sports everything 
how does this structure your way into city? Like, how does city chapters play a role in all of that? You know, it's hard to determine how I kind of developed city chapters. I really feel like it was a gift from the infinite, infinite intelligence, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it just came to me. Um, you know, I definitely didn't grow up in medical late. Yeah, like, you got to put on for ML, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Other than maybe like on the sports team, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we want to win our sports game, but it was it was more about the team winning than it is like representing Medical Lake. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think how it really stems from is, you know, I was locked up when I was 20. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was locked up for six months and uh, I was locked up through thanksgiving christmas new year's in my well i guess i was 21 when i went in and through my 22nd birthday was which in was in march so i went in in october Mm -hmm. miss halloween too but whatever with that but i remember you know like watching uh the fireworks on new year's Mm -hmm. through a little crack in my cell Mm -hmm. at downtown county you know and just like that whole experience changed my life. You know, I was on a really dark path at that time. Mm-hmm. I got blessed with just doing the six months for an assault charge. I mean, it could have been worse. I mean, somebody could have died. You know, the person that was involved with I easily could have killed him. Luckily, uh, he didn't. And, you know, yeah, you know, I, we were so young at the time and involved in all the craziness. Mm-hmm. So... I, uh, you know, go to jail for six months. And uh, I took that as a timeout from God, you know, like mm. I grew up in the church. I'm not religious, but I definitely do believe in spiritual aspects of this experience. And I do believe there's things at work that are beyond our um normal reality that we visualize and experience and sense you know i think there's things that that are at work in this world beyond our common knowledge you know Mm -hmm. um so when i went to jail like i said I, i took it as like all right i'm supposed to go man like i need to go to jail like and i got blessed for six months when i know what i've been up to and i know what i've been doing and i know i i could be in prison for life Mm. I know it almost just for this one thing that I got caught with could have been prison for life. You know what I mean? So you were in something deep. Yeah. This situation was uh, a bar fight that, you know, somebody got really hurt, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but he survived, you know, mm-hmm. but I went to jail for it. And, you know, it was self-defense on my part, mm-hmm. but the excessive force that I used, they say, you know, like you use excessive force in your self-defense essentially. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they gave me a deal and I took it because the the initial charge was like, I'm doing a minimum of 10 years minimum if I lose in court. And that mm-hmm. was like the bare minimum of what I would have done. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really looking like 12, 15. So, Um, you know, and so like before going in, 
you know, I didn't know that I was getting the deal until like right at the end. So up to that, I'm like, my life's over, like, or a good chunk of it. I'm going to be in prison and not knowing what's going to happen to me in prison if I'm going to make it out of prison, you know, because if I got to do what I got to do in there, I might kill somebody in there. Mm. You know, it's just you don't know what could happen. And I mean, prison's no joke. You know, I mean, it's not always like the movies and sometimes it's worse than the movies. It's a it's not a good place to be. You right. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, so. um, You know, I took I, I, I took it as I think as serious as I could at the time. And I started drafting ideas of things while I was locked up that six months mm-hmm. to when I got out to an act to keep me out of the street life, stop, you know, doing what I was doing. And uh, I came up with a business idea around clothing because I always love clothing. I always feel that I've dressed well, you know, senior year. As much as they try to tear me down, I still got best dressed, you know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, Super so, fly. Yeah. That's so cool. I started this this streetwear brand when i got out called third kind apparel and that's the og brand for you know people in spokane that know me um you know and and it got around beyond people that just knew me too you know it was kind of in the music scene and stuff here and there with people and Mm -hmm. um, that was my first streetwear brand and i had that for you know a while i was getting myself enrolled at the falls and i was doing some schooling there and then, like, on a break, I went and got a job at Zome Design. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, you know, I started working there because I wanted to learn the trade of, like, what it takes to screen print. Just learning everything about the business of making clothes domestically, you right. know. And so uh, I was like, you know, I'm not going back to college. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, worked there for, like, four and a half years. And at the tail end of that, I was listening to a podcast from these guys out of Toronto. They started this company. I I don't remember what it's called now, Mm -hmm. but if you probably know Toronto or been around it, you probably would know. Uh, But this brand centered itself around making clothing for their subway stations in the Toronto region. So, like, Mm. they, based upon what I remember their subway stations have names, you know, whatever kind of neighborhood it is, the subway station is like named that too. Mm-hmm. Or the subway station has its own unique name potentially as well. Regardless, it has a unique name, whether yeah. it represents the neighborhood it's in or if it's actually the station's name. Yeah. But they started making clothing based upon these stations mm-hmm. and like they made a, a lot of money. And I was like, man, that's crazy. Like, you know, people are, like, willing to wear their subway station to, like, represent where they're from in the city. Right. And I remember at one point, like, they were saying, uh, you know, when you're in Toronto and they ask you where you're from in the in the city, you say the subway station, like, oh, I stay oh. by so-and-so station. Oh. That's how people can mark where you're from, probably because they use the subway station out there a lot to navigate the city instead of driving like we do you know what i mean okay and so i think maybe that plays into it but they started this brand and they have a successful brand i believe it's still around i look it up once in a while i just can't it's been a couple years since i did so i'm not on top of the name but that triggered some idea in me of like man like 
if people would represent some subway station, like how many towns are out there that don't get representation with something that's cool and dope. And then I was thinking like, how could you create a brand that unites all these people that love their city? Mm -hmm. I kind of just stemmed from that concept of hearing that podcast. Somehow that idea came to my mind. I was like, oh, I could, you know, I knew how to do the production Mm -hmm. based upon me working at Zoom. So I started developing the brand. I don't even know how City Chapters came to me. It just came to me, you know, like the the name, name? the name. Yeah, 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 the name. It just came to me. I was thinking of, uh, you know, I was thinking of street culture. Um, You know, I think nonprofit organizations popped into my mind because they call their different places in different areas chapters. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, um, bike clubs, they have chapters too. So it was like, oh, this is, you know, street and kind of nonprofit. You can you kind of blend these two, you know. Um, And city chapters just sounded good. And the city chapters, you know, just that part of the name means, you know, different chapters that we represent in cities you know mm-hmm. um so like spokane chapter seattle chapter you know and then you can break down chapters within those chapters you know whether it's mm-hmm. hilliard in spokane or it's belmont or whatever you know what i mean yeah so there's a story to be told yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so- then I developed a motto, every city has a story, every story has chapters, and I was just kind of like off and running, mm-hmm. started doing coaches jackets that you could customize with cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's how I heard of city chapters. I heard, I, or I seen a couple of rappers with the, with the big Spokane on the back, black jacket, white lettering, and that was it, man, and it was, it was a form of representation that I didn't see when I first moved out of Spokane. There was... That that the hashtag Spokane doesn't suck was pretty much the only thing that I was seeing that was positive that was uh, showing something positive about the city. That mm-hmm. there are people that do actually care about the city that do want to see the city grow and develop into uh, a robust city of culture and all these different things. But other than that, there wasn't too many people that like to live out here. They wanted to move as soon as. Like how many colleges are out here? Like five colleges out here. So all these kids going to college, they can't wait to leave. But here we are. We have city chapters, and it is about representing. And it is about putting the city in a positive light. It is about all these things. But you don't see too much of it. You don't see too much of it. So city chapters is mad important. Um, you you mentioned third kind design and that being so third kind of apparel. Third kind of apparel. That was the streetwear brand. Okay. When I stopped that brand, when I started City Chapters, because I felt like I had to choose, I couldn't balance both. Yeah. But it came down to me also quitting my job at Zoom. Mm. And I needed a company to help me fund, you know, City Chapters. Mm-hmm. And so when I left Zoom, I started my own apparel sourcing and decoration company. So I specialize in graphic design Mm -hmm. and designing apparel and merchandise for clients. Um, So I took Third Kind Apparel Mm -hmm. and I rolled that into Third Kind Design because 
I wanted to keep that that symbol that's you know what I'm known for is third kind initially and I wanted to keep it alive in some way yeah so that's where I morphed third kind apparel into third kind design into being more of a design uh, business okay yeah so a lot of what we talk about some well a lot of them all the time is mindset and where your mind is at um, when you're taking on certain projects, I remember you were first talking about, you know, the city chapters podcast and then to see it thrive the way it is and building the way it has like, congrats, bro. I'm super proud of you. First of all, I never yeah. told you that before. I'm gonna tell you that now on the pod, mm. I'm proud of you for doing this. You spoke it into existence and you act, you're executing. So thank you too. Mm-hmm. But your mindset has always been something that we've talked about. And and knowing a little bit more about the past and knowing a little bit more about your foundation and how you were brought up, where is your mindset at right now and currently? How are you juggling everything? Ah, man. I think right now I'm probably the most emotionally stable I've ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. I'd say my mindset is in a really good place right now. Mm-hmm. You know, a few things that I'm enacting is a lot of reading right now. Um, I, I feel like reading is really the key to success. You know, I feel like it's a form of meditation as well, depending mm-hmm. on what you're reading, of course. But mm-hmm. um, another thing that I've been enacting in my mindset, you know, is like fostering affirmations of patience um, and positive affirmations in general and also the abstinence from alcohol for over a year has finally got me to a place where I feel I'm kind of healed from a lot of the damage and the residue of my alcohol abuse Mm -hmm. uh you know I feel good about myself it's been a it's been a while you know even over this year like I did a year of not drinking before and I really got in a good way really quick. And that's actually the year I like quit my job. I started city chapters. I was mm-hmm. like in this zone, you know, and like mm-hmm. it has not been as easy to get back into that zone because, you know, I let myself down again. And I think once you let yourself down over and over again with the same mistakes mm-hmm. and mistakes that can be avoided, you know, like choosing the drink or not. And, um, you know, since the time I was locked up, this is another thing that I I knew from the time I was locked up and wrote about was like my key to success is me not drinking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think while I was locked up, I was, you know, I didn't drink for that six months. So that was the first time since I was like 14 that I was sober. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, so that, that was the first time of me experiencing sobriety since I started it all. And so then that six months, I was like the clarity that I had in jail you know, is what I, what I knew, you know, like I remember being in touch with myself and like the pastor that would come and visit us would, you know, always be like, I had a shine, you know, while I was there, I was like, you know, well-respected in jail. There was some people that tested me, didn't go well for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Thank God I he had my back cause he blessed these hands when I put them to work, you know what I'm hey, saying? Like the sound of that. But, um, but other than that, you know, like I had a lot of respect amongst everybody I was locked up with. 
mm-hmm. mainly because I wasn't into hard drugs. You know, like everybody in jails in the hard drugs, pretty much. Like you don't really come across gangsters that are like not into the hard, hard stuff like meth, heroin. Mm-hmm. You know, like moving coke. Like I was just there for an assault charge, and you know, mm-hmm. also one that probably was like, you know, this kid is not a joke. You know. Um, but I still got tested just like you do. Someone's always going to test you. And luckily I passed that test, you know, and they, they mm-hmm. regretted it. But, you know, through all that, I, uh, I, I mean, anyway, that's the whole point I'm trying to get to on mindset. You know, it, it was just about, that was the first time being sober. And I remember that being the first time I knew without a doubt, I need to stop drinking if I want to get to it. Yeah. And get to these big dreams that I have. Because I've always had that in me. I've always thought I'm supposed to do great things that I'm mm-hmm. meant to. And, uh, you know, I get back out and, you know, homeboys are still there. We're still young. I'm still 22. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, first thing I do is go buy a, a XR bottle of Crown, top shelf. You know what I mean? And celebrate. Celebrate, you know. But yeah. um, I just do remember writing that down. And over the years, I struggled with trying to not party, trying not to drink. I was dating this one girl for a while. Our whole relationship, there was a lot of love between us, but it was so dysfunctional because of alcohol use. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah, you know, a lot of it, you know, a lot of it, probably most of it even potentially stemmed from the way I was with alcohol. I'm not saying she didn't have no ownership, but it's always been a battle with me and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been the source cause of my unstable mindset, my unstable emotional state. And, uh, you know, it's been a war to beat it out. Mm-hmm. It's been a war. I've been super hard on myself because of it. I've hurt a lot of people because of it. I've seen and been near death because of it. Death for myself. I lost one of my best friends to drinking and driving. And there was many times I was in the car with them and it could have been, I could have been with them. Yeah. And there's many times I've wrecked my own cars. Even my senior year, I rolled the car four and a half times a week before graduation. So granted, you know, I understand why the administration didn't like me because we were crazy. You know what I mean? But, you know, obviously I needed help. You know what I mean? And there was no help given. It was just letting me just, you know, go burn yourself, kid. If you don't want to listen to what our laws are, you know what I mean? Like, that's not how you break through to people. So Not at all. um, You know, I almost killed my friend in that wreck. He was with me. I rolled my car four and a half times. When I came back to, the car was upside down, and my homie's not in the car. And we both weren't wearing seatbelts, passed out because we were partying. I was like less than a mile from my house, mm-hmm. passed out, rolled the car, you know, wake up, he's not in it. I think he's dead, you know, and luckily he wasn't, and we got away unscathed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've wrecked other cars, you know. It's just uh, a lot of damage and destruction that came from alcohol and the party in life and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of anger that stemmed from my use, of course. Mm-hmm. So... You know, to be at this place now, 33 years old, a year sober, I feel like once again, I've entered into a state of being a man. 
mm-hmm. you know, because I don't think you can be a man if you can't make the decisions that are for you right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? We all have that voice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that voice is mostly true for most individuals. Now there's some people that have some weird old voices going on and, you know what I mean? But my higher self is always called to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've failed that higher self many times, you know, and I I probably will again in some fashion. I just don't think it's going to be alcohol related because I just know where that leads, you know. So, you know, one day at a time, I don't I don't like celebrate a year of being sober or just my sobriety, but it is. um. It is the source cause of why I'm in a great mental state now, though, is because I've abstained from alcohol mm-hmm. and I've led my brother away from it. And hey. the changes I've seen in him are immense. And he's a whole hey. different person. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have a lot of alcoholism that stems in our family. And it's all bad. Yeah. All real bad. You know what I mean? And it's like, at what point are you going to learn? You know, and if you yeah. sit. You say you want to be great. There's no room for alcohol. Mm. I mean, in my life. I can't speak for everybody. But for yeah. me, but for you to be th- great. There's no room for it for me. Yeah. You know, I think everybody's relationship and biochemistry is different with alcohol. Yeah. Mine is not good yeah. at all. You know, so you say you're like beating the odds? Because it feels like you've been uh-huh. up against the odds your entire <laughs> life. Man. So I mean, part of part of why I definitely I think have stopped drinking too is there was times where I would drink and hope I died. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. whether it was in a fight, I don't care if I kill somebody or get killed. I don't care if I wreck my car. You know, there's times I probably literally intentionally tried to die. You know what I mean? Not suicide, like. Like I would kill myself, mm-hmm. but it's carelessness. But it, well, I won't even say carelessness because it was intentional. It was like oh. I don't give a fuck, oh. you know. Excuse my language, but that was me at that time, you know. Like I really don't care. Yeah, I want to die. Yeah, like please bring it. Like I don't care. Yeah. I like, and that was, you know, going through jail changed that. But I still had that mentality through my twenties a lot, you know, and I still have it to a degree where I, I, you know, I could snap, you know, and mm-hmm. and be ready for anything at any time. Mm-hmm. But I really try to foster, like I said, patience and um, meditations and breathing and just like, you know, trying to find out how I can be a, a good person in this crazy world, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think there has to be a lot of grace for people's mistakes and how you get lost in this world because it is crazy. Yeah. It's insane what we live in. And there's a lot stacked against us, mm-hmm. you know, a lot stacked against us to really be in touch with ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, that is not encouraged. You know what I mean? And it is not propagated through our media channels sure. for you to be really in touch. Like it's all about distraction and keeping yeah. you from really being in touch with yourself. And I think alcohol is the number one weapon used by, these forces that are trying to whatever they're trying to do you know what i mean but there's obviously world domination plays blatantly going on from my point of view 
You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how you can't see that if, yeah. if you know, it's not a conspiracy. It's just look around, like, yeah. look at what's going on, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you look at the stem root of what alcohol means and all those things, like, do your research. Like, alcohol and the words we use, they're powerful. And, mm-hmm. and it's funny how, you know, words are set up to be spells. Yep. Like think of spelling, you know, spells, mm-hmm. spelling, like the way we speak is it, they have power. We all know this is pretty common knowledge now. Words yeah. have power. Like all these yeah. things we talk about, manifestation, like yes. all these things, you know, look at what alcohol means, where the root word comes from, you know, it's like, mm. you know, Never it, thought of that. yeah, it's. You know, and spirits, like, talk about spirits. Like, I've yeah. had, I like, there's definitely been times where, like, I know, you know, I was not myself. Those were the things that I did when I was drunk. That mm-hmm. wasn't me. You know what I mean? Like, so. That's what's real. And I've had friends tell me, like, yeah, you, like, last night you said this to her. I don't know who that was. It wasn't you, you know, and I've hurt people mm-hmm. by being that way. I used to encourage it, too. Like, when I was really young. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like into dark stuff, not like devil worshiping, but just like, I don't like some demonic shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just the mentality was demonic is what I mean. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and there'd be times I'd take mushrooms and I would see the devil in the mirror. You know what I mean? Man. Within myself. Mm-hmm. So I like, you know, it's always been a war with me, you know? And I say all that to say, like, I've been and seen some really dark things and I've experienced some really dark things. I've, I've experienced what in my experience is real demons, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also experienced something that's always tried to call me to a higher purpose. Mm-hmm. And I've also experienced being saved countless times. And, uh, you know, like when I wrecked that car that senior year, I, I remember when we rolled the car, I felt something envelop me and protect me mm-hmm. when we rolled, you know what I mean? Like I should have got thrown out the window. But something like uh, enveloped me and like protected me and protected my friend. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's been countless times that I've gotten away with stuff that it doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Like can't explain it. There's something higher going on in my life, you know, and it's been, you know, I feel like for me, it's like. It's not going to give it to me, though. Whatever this higher energy is that is at work in my life, it put me here for a reason or I'm here for a reason and it wants me to accomplish that. Yeah. But it's not going to give it to me. Yeah. It's you got to do the work. You got to yield and listen to what you know you have to do. Yeah. And I've always tried to barter that with life. You know, I'll, I'll try you know, to do a little bit of what I know I'm supposed to do. Yeah. But I'm also trying to have fun or I'm trying to do the things that I know I really shouldn't be doing, mm-hmm. but you know, like, why shouldn't I? Everybody else is doing it, you know, mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. and also you get manipulated into thinking in that way, like, yeah, from music, all the different things that movies, like, all of this. Like, if you aren't in a cognizant, aware state, you will be manipulated by what you consume. Now, I do believe it is it, you can listen and consume material and then think of them from outside of it objectively but you got to be aware of self to be able to not be influenced directly by what you're consuming 
And when you're young, most people are not that way. So you Mm -hmm. get into this whole thing, you know, where it's like, oh, yeah, shoot them up and all this crap is cool, man. It's not cool. You being played. Mm -hmm. I was played, too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And thank God I was protected through it. And maybe that's because I have lessons that I can share with people. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Yeah, that's yeah. you know that's yeah that's that's part of it, man. Yeah, part of the mindset for <laughs> sure. The most important part. Yeah, you said um, you said a lot. I'm trying to pinpoint. Exactly yeah, what no, you that's said. why I figured I'd stop and <laughs> let you let you get in. <laughs> no, um, I'm big on that stuff. I'm big on mindset. I'm big on goals. I'm big on on it, on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, even the last time we talked on the pod, we had brought up Nipsey and how yeah. we both admire Nipsey a lot and a lot of of what he uh, taught me was based off of purpose and you also put me on a book Ikigai Mm -hmm. that I've been consuming and has kind of guided me throughout my day bro I'm not gonna lie like that guides my days now like there's a couple books that are that like I'm going back and forth between Mm -hmm. but Ikigai is one of those things and as far as like purpose yeah like really breaks it down what do you think your purpose is? And do you think, or do you know it? Do you feel like you know what your purpose is? You know, my purpose, I think right now is to um, be a great son to my mother. Mm-hmm. I think that's like one of the direct purposes that I feel I know 100%. You know, I feel like, honestly, I was put here for my mother, you know what I mean, in certain ways, like, um, and her for me too, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like there's something, the reason that we're together, you know, and my brother as well. Mm-hmm. So just being, you know, the best son and brother to to them. Mm-hmm. Um Figuring out how to work that with my dad is is a lot more difficult, but uh, you know I do want him to know, regardless of the neglect that the family feels, mm-hmm. that I love him and mm-hmm. and I try to understand, you know. But I'm not quite sure what my purpose and my career or you know outside of that really truly is. Um, I know one of my purposes is to be a leader in sobriety right now, like showing mm-hmm. people like, yo, you can live a, a full life without alcohol. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that's, you know, part of my purpose right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't really... I have a hard time with the purpose thing um, because it's hard to define what your purpose truly is in this existence. Like, um, I don't like putting a label on what my purpose is either, Hmm. but I do believe that there is a purpose and one of the purposes of why I've been through what I've been through and what I'm learning 
is something is involved with city chapters. You know, I honestly feel like city chapters was some kind of gift to me from the divine. Like mm-hmm. I said, the infinite intelligence, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was it was my idea. It was given to me. I've had many, many people tell me like, man, it's such a great idea. I wish mm-hmm. I would have thought of something like that. Mm-hmm. And I've thought of other ideas that were great, but this one is the one I decided to choose on and enact. And uh, I'm in a development phase. I'm five years into it, but I feel like I'm just getting started because I'm just becoming a man, you know, again. I think I was, uh, you know, tapping into what it was like to be a man when I was sober for that first year. And I think it's hard to feel like a man truly. Now, I don't know a lot of people go around saying they're men, but you can tell by the decisions that they make that they're not you know no idea what it is yeah so you know for me i think i'm living in alignment of what i view as a man and we can lie to ourselves and tell you tell ourselves we're men but really what it comes down to is you got to live in alignment with what your higher self has set for you mm. uh, i think most of those principles are probably close to being the same for most people you know what i mean mm-hmm. But I think there's variations of that. Um, But what I see as being a man, the first thing was like taking care of myself, making the right decisions. For me, the most biggest decision that I need to make is to stay away from alcohol. Now that I've been doing that for a year, I feel like I got a strong base again, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot that goes into me thinking about what I want to do with city chapters. And it's been like that basically after the first year, you know, first year went really well, got in the zoom, sold a bunch of jackets, did my whole thing, but it was all about money. It wasn't about the higher cause. I didn't uh, have a higher cause when I started city chapters. I was like, I'm just going to make streetwear jackets, mm-hmm. customized with city. It's going to be a product. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, you know, and I, I think there's a purpose in me doing this podcast, you know. Facts. I think there's a I think there's a big purpose in me doing this podcast because I've been told all throughout my, you know, young life, especially in my later twenties, mm-hmm. that I need to be doing public speaking. I need to do a podcast. I need to do all these things. And I really wasn't ready, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I started this podcast in April. I'd been sober for five months at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, everything's kind of opening up to what I want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. You know, when we can, you know, talk on a later podcast down the line, I'll probably have a more definitive purpose at that time. But I do want to create something with City Chapters that is recognized as an organization that helps create positive experiences and changes in communities, mm-hmm. starting here in Spokane. Yeah. You know, so I think that's a part of my purpose. But as much as I've always wanted to do those things, you know, I've never been ready because I can't help anybody else if I can't help myself, you know. That's right. And I failed at helping myself for a long time, you know, you know, and I think there's a lot of truth in like, don't being not being too hard on yourself and understanding you make mistakes. And that's, there's a lot of truth in that, 
but it also comes down to like um it comes down to like enough's enough you know or it comes down to man if you really want to do something you want to you want to help things you got to help yourself man mm-hmm. you know so learning how to love myself and help myself and take care of myself unfortunately was really hard for me you know i'm still learning that you know but i feel i feel like i'm living a healthy life overall now you know i i think i'm the most at for sure mentally mentally i'm the most healthiest i've ever been yeah yeah good you, you had a long road my friend <laughs> you got a long road to go yeah city chapters this is this is your baby what, what's what's next for it? What's next for City Chapters? What you cooking up? Let us in. Let us in the <laughs> doors. What you got going on? Yeah, so um, right now, obviously, the podcast. We're just going to keep having great people on. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, a big primary focus for me now is how I can keep developing the podcast into becoming something for people in Spokane to tune into and learn about people in our town. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to keep heightening the quality of the podcast, you know, over time, but I'm in no rush. Um, Spokast has been amazing and has made so much of this, all of this really possible the way that I really hoped it could happen. So mm-hmm. um, we're going to keep working on making this podcast bigger, um, reaching more ears you know, stepping up production over time. Mm-hmm. But I'm just so happy with where it's at already. You know what I mean? Me and Q were talking about this this morning. And, like, it, I already have such a strong base with what we're doing with the podcast. Mm-hmm. I feel very blessed to be able to do this. I feel like it opens up the doors for city chapters being recognized beyond just an organization or just a streetwear brand and more of an organization, you know, opening up more outlets of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing is I'm going to be getting back into designing clothes and I'm going to be focusing on making clothes just for Spokane. Kind of, you know, there'll probably be some custom options on there for people from other cities but primarily i'm going to focus on doing limited edition runs for spokane and really getting city chapters apparel on the streets of spokane like i've never done before Mm -hmm. i feel like i got a laser focus in on my own community before i can really uh, attack the world you know with what i'm trying to do and uh i just feel like i want to see the impact I have in my own community. This is where I've always seen the most immediate impact. I have the most people that know the brand and all that, you know, like I have people around, around in many places, but I really just want to get back to my roots and and the city that I do it for, you know, the city that I represent. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like I've never really given that the focus it deserves, you know, and I think that, Maybe I was a little, um, I don't want to say ambitious, but just short-sighted in my attempt of the scaling of the brand and the, you know, I think I try to skip some steps maybe is what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this is first step here, Spokane. Mm-hmm. So I'll be looking out for some new gear for Spokane. It's going to be fresh. 
We got samples being made. Mm-hmm. Um, gonna be making more hats. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of what's next, man. With City Chapters, keep doing the podcast and focusing on some fresh Spokane City Chapters gear. Mm-hmm. City Chapters is, I, I I love the vision that you have for it because obviously it's it puts on for the city. Like I said earlier, like people they just have like this negative connotation with the city or that it's dull or boring and this that, and the third but I feel like every town that people want to live in or go to has a community of people that are proud to be from there so that's almost in a sense where it starts it's mm-hmm. not even like having the cool places to go to or whatever the case may be it's about being proud of where you're from and where you live at and mm-hmm. I think apparel is the number one way to show that mm-hmm. so you always gonna catch me with some double C's on, my friend. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Matter of fact, speaking of double C's, I'm wearing something that was made by not only this man but another man, uh, my boy Jazz, um, that you guys collaborated with. This yeah. is amazing, by the way. Again, this is a this is another thing that Bobby had told me about, and then he did it like. We know a lot of people that talk about stuff mm-hmm. and never do it, not even put their foot in the ring. Yeah. But, bro, you're constantly, you talk, you don't just talk about it, you do it. Yeah. So I hope you pat yourself on the back. If not, I'll pat you on the back anytime you need it. Mm-hmm. But that's mad important. You're executing mm-hmm. everything that you're talking about. So I can't wait to see what you do at City Chapters next. Do you ever plan on doing more collaborations? Like this one that I'm wearing right now. Like, how do you feel about doing more collabs with CC? Yeah, I'm gonna be doing more collaborations, and I think that's a big part of why I want to focus on Spokane specifically, mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of amazing people out here. I I want to collaborate with uh, people I've already been speaking with, mm-hmm. and people I don't know yet. You know, yeah. but I want to just focus on doing some really unique Spokane items gear you know, with people locally. I just mm-hmm. want to be at work with my community right now. Yeah. You know, I felt like I couldn't really get in touch with people the way I can here. Mm-hmm. And until I really build city chapters up within my own community in a way that's like, you know, if you wear and or if you love Spokane, you have to have something from city chapters. Yeah. Or you want to, or if you don't want to, you know about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> you that might not want to rock with us, but you're going to know about us. Yeah. And either way is fine with me, you yeah. know. So mm-hmm. until that point and that that's my, you know, that's my that's my other side, you know, like you will know about city chapters mm-hmm. because I really do believe in what I'm trying to foster here. Mm-hmm. Um but it's not for everybody. I don't expect everybody to you know understand me or my vibe or whatever but i know there's plenty of people that do yeah and i know there's plenty of people that feel the same way and want to see the potentials of spokane that we all feel can be met that aren't being met yet but there's Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good work going on in spokane and i'm super appreciative of all the people that are doing that work but you know i want to do my own work too you know and that's all i'm saying Mm mm-hmm Collaboration is one of the best ways to do it. I'm I'm yeah. wearing a collaboration right now. This my this my joint yeah, right here. You yeah. know what I'm saying? This this go me everywhere. Yeah. Um, this this brand, this movement, this organization. 
is going to be huge. What advice, tips, or something along those lines can you give to the next kid that's going to go through a similar path that you went through? Like, how can you or how would you guide them through that? Yeah, I would just say take your time. Don't rush. Move in slow motion, but take action. Mm-hmm. You got to take action. And um, things don't have to be perfect, but try to do it the best way. Don't just put something out there just to put something out there. Mm-hmm. Take your time to develop a real product, a real brand. Um, you know, and take your time to push it out there. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have something you're... 100 percent on and you know you want to hit the ground running hit the ground running but you know i i think the biggest thing you need to have is perseverance because for most people it's going to take a while for it to start working and start paying you and all that you know Mm -hmm. and if it does work right away and it's your first time going through it how do you maintain it so Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like you got to, I just think you got to be patient and move in slow motion. I mean, that's really another part of the mindset that I've been enacting is just like moving in slow motion. It's the tortoise Mm -hmm. and the hare. This is a, this is a fable we're told from the time we're kids, you know, and there's so much wisdom that's deep within that fable that is being, you know, it tries to teach you as a child, like, don't rush. Yeah. Because it's just going to cause problems. That's so true. You know, and I feel like our society is so brainwashed into the go, 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 go attitude. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. you no time for rest. You just bop, bop, bopping around. Like, Mm -hmm. take it easy. Take it easy, yo. And Mm -hmm. just, like, do what you do at the highest level, you know, and, and keep setting the bar higher and higher each time. But... Just, you know, try to understand, like, if you got an idea, you know, you only get that that first presentation one time. And, like, you know, the way I started my brands and my first things, I didn't know what I was doing. It was all right. I started. Exactly. So, but, you know, I didn't have anybody to talk to me about it either. You know, so if mm-hmm. I would have had a real designer, uh, somebody that been in the, the industry, and I could show them the stuff. They probably would have been like, "No, bro, like this. You you need to learn these things, you know." Yeah. So, you know, do your research. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, if you want to do something, just get started. Yeah. I guess it could really just come down to that too. Yeah. But I, I do believe in just patience and you know just trying to do the best you can i think i think the playing field's a lot harder than it ever was before because there's so many professionals now that are thriving in all sorts of aspects of different businesses yeah like for you to stand out uh you have to be unique and you have to be bringing quality to the table yeah i mean it's not like it was before when i started my companies and my brands it's different now yeah you know, like we're exposed to so much high level marketing gear, yeah. uh, execution that, you know, like 
just putting something out there is not enough. Yeah. You might get a little support from your friends and family, but it's not enough just to put something out there. Yeah. And that's something that I've had to work through the last few years. Like that's why I've stepped away for putting stuff out at times, you know, and I'm not mm-hmm. always pushing something because it's like, what am I going to push? What do I really want to push? Yeah. And if, you know, I think I guess obviously that's the other thing, you know, you got to love what you push. You got to love, you know, like that's the classic, of course, advice. Like, yeah, you better love what you do, because if you don't love it, man, you won't have like what Steve Jobs said, like you won't have what it takes. Yeah. This shit will break you, you know, and just like Mm -hmm. Nipsey Hussle said, that's the, the only defining factor between me and others that didn't make it is I just didn't give up, Yeah, you know, and I ain't even made it yet. I ain't even saying I made it, but. You know, I I know I will because I won't give up. And exactly. I, I mean, I guess it de- I guess it looks at like what you define as made it. I I've made it to a a place where I'm five years into owning my own businesses and I pay my bills. You know what I mean? And I'm mm-hmm. eating and I got fresh gear on and that's big. I'm pretty. You know, in the scheme of things, I am wealthy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But of course, compared to the titans and the giants, I'm I'm not doing that you know what i mean but i don't know if i want all that either yeah you know and i think that's why i've slowed down too like you know you got to be careful what you wish for careful what you think you want you know so Mm -hmm. luckily i've had a lot enough wisdom and maturity to kind of like you know put things on freeze to really think about where where i'm going because honestly i don't need much to survive you know and like Mm -hmm. um i do want to do something that's meaningful and impactful and authentic you know Mm-hmm. This ain't about the money, but the money gonna come because it's, it's a byproduct of what we do. Yep. So it's, it's sometimes I use it as a scoreboard. I ain't gonna lie. Sometimes I'm up. Yeah. Sometimes I'm down. Yeah. It comes. It goes. But yeah, it's what it is. Yeah. I just you know like I just think I don't want to have an attachment to money. Yeah. That's that's you know I don't want money to define my personal value exactly you know what i mean and yeah. i think i think that's always going to be that's always a, a a struggle in our society but yeah i don't like at the end of the day take away you know all this you know who are you as a man is all that really matters that money mm-hmm. your crypto all that shit don't matter Mm-mm. it's how you are as a man how you treat people how you treat yourself Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the biggest one. How, like your value is in how you treat yourself. If you, if you have high value, mm-hmm. high self value, you treat yourself well. Yeah. If you think you love yourself, or you think you you the man because you got money and you doing all sorts of dysfunctional shit, yeah, you don't luck. got value, bro. Yeah, you don't got the real value. We can see right and through we, you. Yeah, we talking about real value. You yeah. know what I mean? So and and real success, success does not require money yeah you know what i mean so mm-hmm. um but money's nice you know and it's just it's, nice. it's just uh, uh like i said not being attached to it yeah you know yeah which i think is good you know i think that that comes from like some of my eastern philosophies of buddhism and detaching mm-hmm. you know just learning how to detach from you know the lizard brain that's always like you know, uh, worrying and mm-hmm. I need, need, need and all that, you know? Yeah. I'm like, I'm minimalizing, you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. I just, you know, 
minimalizing. That's where I'm at, you know, Man. just getting rid of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to have to pick your brain on that, on the, <laughs> the lizard brain deal, because yeah. I ain't heard about that one yet, but I'm going to holler at you about that. But, yeah. man, pleasure, bro. Yeah, man. Like, I, I hope. I hope we really got down to the to the things that you wanted to express. I hope you feel like you got your expressions off. And uh, I hope you enjoyed and had fun, your boys. And, you know, I'm interviewing now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I add that to the resume, you know. Right. But, yep. you know, thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, big shout out to Spokast, for real, because this is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and to everybody watching, thank you all. This is City Chapter Podcast. Let's go. Let's go.